thanks for listening to the LCR Media Podcast, where we get to know the pros. I'm your host, LCR Naylor Taliaferro. And on today's episode, another Podcast Summit 2023 episode here at Almond HQ, sponsored by Kohler Engines. Uh, we are having a great time networking and a lot of folks showing up. And I am joined by... Amanda Linder. And... John Linder. <laughs> nice. So... Let's 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 uh, tell tell your story, like you know what you guys do and and how you got there, and and we'll go from there. Who wants to go first? Take it away. <laughs> well, uh, started the business in two thousand as uh, uh, most people do, just pushing around a lawnmower, and then two thousand seven we got married, and then that kind of around that time started branching into hardscapes, and then two thousand. We're going to say 18. 18. Uh, we, we switched away from the maintenance and uh, the pushing, uh, pushing the mowers and moved exclusively to hardscape installation. And that's what we've been doing uh, for the last few years. Nice. What, what made you guys uh, uh, really like focus on, on all this? What, what, what was there a transition like to get into the, to this industry? Uh, transition to get into hardscapes? Just, just, just like the green industry in general, like all the different things. Uh, I, I started out even before 2000, uh, in 94, I was 14. Wow. And I was pushing a lawnmower yeah. with like, 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 with, every, like yeah, said, like with my buddy and yeah, before we could even drive. And, uh, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's how it started. My dad's in the concrete industry. Nice. Uh, so I worked with him for a couple summers just briefly uh so i got a little taste of the construction end and eventually uh doing the doing the grass just doing it for so long i just kind of i used to love it and kind of fell out of love with it and i'm kind of allergic to a lot of the things that uh pollen and yeah, yeah. cutting grass so it's kind of it beat me up that way and then uh, and Amanda kind of talked me into, she said like that I paid my dues and it's time to, time to switch over to do something <laughs> yeah. that we enjoy a little bit more. Time to pivot out of that. I got yeah. you. So are you, so you, you guys work together, are you husband, wife team? Yes. We do. Nice. Yeah. And what, what is your role? Are you out there right there with them? Like, like Caleb and Brittany Almond moving? No, I, and- <laughs> I don't. I, I come out on the job sites occasionally, but I'll say the most physical thing I've done is sanding a patio. So um, but I handle all the, the incoming calls, estimate requests, yeah. um, the estimates themselves, design work, um, contracts, getting permits secured and engineering for projects. Nice. How big of a projects do you guys do? Do you work uh, with, with just residential or do you do some commercial? Uh, now that we, we used to do commercial when we did the maintenance, uh, it, especially like with plowing when we did that, that was almost exclusively commercial, but, uh, almost everything we do now is residential. We do a small amount of commercial, but it's okay. Yeah. Mainly all, all residential. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what, what are you guys like special in special eyes in? Sorry. <laughs> walls and pavers essentially. Yeah. So yeah. like walls and pavers. So like doing, doing patios and retaining walls, things like that. You're talking yeah. about. We really like the engineered walls. The things that are, you know, require engineer permits and you know, doing it properly that a lot of kind of anything over four foot tall. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a lot of structural things involved in that. Right. Mm-hmm. What, what about that? Do you like so much that a lot of people can't do them and do them well. And, uh, I, we kind of found a niche to, to do that. And, 
Um, it's a slow and steady process. Yeah. More akin to, to paver, you know, versus like concrete. And it just kind of suits our personalities more. Yeah. Um, we kind of think like engineers and get really detailed sometimes to the point of getting bogged down by the details. But um, yeah. And usually- but think about things that, you know, a lot of other guys may not think like John's really good about kind of not just looking at what the here and now, but like, what's this going to do years down the road or you right. know, other considerations for just even working, you know, like what's it going to do long-term? Like if you put a wall up against someone else's wall, we run a return. So a 90 degree on that to try and keep this wall from not being compromised by the next door neighbor, if, or when they uh, replace theirs. So just like things like little things like that, that yeah. I don't think most most contractors really consider. I don't think so either. I feel like every every other day on Instagram, I'm seeing all these like failed retaining walls that people are like, look at this failed wall. Like this is why you need to hire the right contractor that knows what they're doing. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the right contractor seems to be contacted after the fact to like fix whatever has happened. And now it's like a whole another mess. I would imagine you just have to like dig it all up and start from scratch. Yeah. So that's that's cool that you guys are really focused on that and and for sure like you said that that it's kind of like a niche in in and of itself like doing it the right way you know because i don't know why so many people do it the wrong way i'm not sure if if it's something that they just don't know or or they it's too much work or what i don't i don't know like why would you cut a corner like that why would you not think that this wall might fail a lot of it's there's no there's no requirement there's absolutely no minimum threshold you can say i'm cutting grass for 10 years and all of a sudden I'm building an engineered retaining wall. It's 20 feet tall. There's nothing stopping you. Wow. Um, as as long as you have engineered blueprints and, and permit, you have a permit and, uh, and a building inspector comes out and they, no offense to the building inspectors, but they don't quite understand, uh, retaining wall construction. 98, 99% of what they do is, is the structure of the house itself, the electrical and, if someone's uh, putting an addition on the house, yeah, they they're un- more suited to help with that. Or they understand whatever. that, but we've had to educate quite a few uh, inspectors on the proper way to to install a wall. And yeah, so that's that's part of the problem. There's there is no regulation for it, and I'm not a proponent of more regulation. But I just I want more more people to just get educated to understand um, what what the proper uh, specifications and how it should be. And is that is that part of the reason why you guys are thinking about doing a podcast? Yeah, that that is the exact reason. That is yeah. the reason. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there's definitely opportunity, right? There's so many hours in the day to be able to listen to whether it be audio books or podcasts. You know, music has its role too. Sometimes we just want to want to jam out or something and just kind of tune <laughs> everything out and just get through it. But uh, there's lots of opportunities for podcasts. So. Uh, for sure. Any, anywhere where we can help with that's what this, that's what this event is all about. So I don't know if that's what was your intention, but one of the things that I wanted was to hopefully help anyone that's either thinking about podcasting or just started a podcast. Like this is an opportunity to get around a lot of podcast minded folks and you can see different setups and ask questions, talk shop, and obviously, you know, share your story on podcasts and things like that. So hopefully so far that's been working out for you guys. Yeah. Um, seeing Kid Contractor Studio is something, right? So that's just just that in and of itself. It's it's awesome. So I'm so proud and happy to see all that for them because 
Yeah, they've come a long way. You know, I feel like I've said this on every episode so far, so I don't know if I said it on this one yet, but <laughs> all the stuff in this shop behind us, they had it all crammed into a bunch of storage units, you know, it's just <laughs> amazing to see how far that like that to this, it's like, wow, like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm so happy for them. So it's been a long time coming. So, um, uh, but all, before I, I got a little sidetrack with the podcast, I want to ask you guys a little bit more about your business. Do you, do you have, is it just the two of you? Do you have any employees or how, how's What's the setup go for that? We do have one employee right okay. now. I'm looking to add at least one, probably two more this year just okay. to take some of the, the workload off of me, um, but also to make it more of a company atmosphere. Right. So make it yeah. a little bit more of a destination. Yeah. Get that company culture. Exactly. Yeah. So of like the one guy in a truck culture. Yeah. It's tough to go from that because you're right. Like you can't just start out with company culture. You have to build that, grow that you need customers and, you know, the right revenue and it's a process, right? So that's the most difficult thing I found, which I'm assuming is not just only me is that, you know, that you go from just being the solo guy in the truck, whatever you're doing, whether you're doing hardscaping or mowing lawns. And now it's like, now you're trying to interview people and give them, it's like, Oh, let's meet at Starbucks and this and that. And mm-hmm. you just ride in the truck every day. There's, you know, there's no real company culture and you just have to do the best you can to try and build that with whatever you got. So I think that was, has, was the cha- most challenging part for me. And, you know, through growth, you then naturally have some more opportunities, you know, financially and just size wise and stuff, and just try and keep things as professional as you can. I always tell my guys, like I came from corporate America, so I try to incorporate whatever I can from that into a little lawn care business, you know, and just try to be as professional as possible. I mean, obviously I'm not, you know, bright view or some big massive, you know, lawn care business, but I can still implement a lot of those professional ideas and professionalism in general. So I still try to do the best I can with that and not just be Chuck in the truck, just, you know, or some guy in a truck, just, yeah, come on, just pick you up on the corner and we just mow some lawns. Like I still want to keep it as professional as possible, you know, clocking mm-hmm. in and out and, you know, uh, paychecks and all these things, whatever I can do to still be a professional business, even though it's small. So that's definitely challenging. So I, I can, I can relate to that. Um, do, do you have equipment? Like what kind of equipment do you use to, to get this stuff done or do you just do it all by hand still? Uh, no, we, I don't know that we've ever done anything by hand. Uh, I mean, some occasionally we do right. get jobs that, that require nothing but handwork and it's cause we're, we do a lot of work inside of the city of Pittsburgh and we work in some pretty tight location areas where we're using five gallon buckets to fill stuff up and backfill a wall. So it, it gets pretty, pretty intense. We try to not do those jobs if we right. can, cause we're so short on, on manpower. That's one of the reasons we do want to add another few guys so we can handle those jobs a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, we, we just have a, like an F550 dump truck, uh, T590 track loader and uh, the Bobcat. Um, we rent. We rent a lot. We rent an excavator as needed, even though it costs about the same as as doing uh, when we had it. We had a lease, but at least we don't have the we don't have the same uh, obligation. So if we don't have jobs that require an excavator, we're not we're not looking outside in the wintertime staring at a piece of machine machinery that we're paying money for and. Yeah. You know, and then they always pick it up and deliver it. And so that helps too. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Welcome back to Toro Tuesday. This week I wanted to talk about the snow plow attachment. So there are actually, this is for one thing, this is one of the few uh, multi force attachments that I don't own. 
nor have I used it, but I've seen it plenty um, online and, you know, at Toro and um, at the GIE now, Equip Expo. Uh, I've definitely seen it and played around with it. I uh, just haven't actually plowed snow with it. But again, I have seen plenty of other folks in our community and industry use it plowing snow. But that's that's exactly what it is. It's a snow plow. It's for pushing snow. So if, if those of you that don't have any idea what I'm talking about, you know, when it snows, right, um, you know, this is an actual plow. Instead of having, um, you're using your truck or some people have ATVs, you know, four-wheelers, and they, you can put a plow on there. And it's good for clearing out driveways, small commercial parking lots, sidewalks, things like that, like areas that um, it's it's almost easier to use a smaller, um, you know, a smaller um a smaller type plow, like some, like an ATV or something like that, versus um, having a truck, a pickup truck in there with a plow. I know a lot of guys will use skid steers, which is like just a little mini, you know, um, excavator or, or uh, for lack of a better explanation, I'm, I'm not a hardscaper, forgive me guys, but it's just like a little mini tractor. Uh, there's a lot of different things, a lot of different tractors out there that you can use all different variations that have a bucket. You know, or you can take that bucket off in some cases and put like a, a different kind of a blade on there, which is meant for pushing dirt around, but you can use it to push snow. So instead of using all those different things, now you just one more thing you can use for your Toro Multiforce mower. Again, you take the mower deck off. This is going to help you keep this machine working year round instead of it sitting in the garage over the winter. Um, it, it, you know, if you get a lot of snow and, and you're not cutting grass, um, you know, I think down south around Florida is pretty much the only people that are cutting grass in the winter, you know, not, not as, as, as much, but they're still doing a little bit. Um, so they probably never put their mowers in the garage, but for the rest of the country, you know, you are putting, uh, you're just kind of putting this in storage, you're winterizing it and it just stays there for however many months, you know, of the winter before the grass starts growing again. Well, if you get, get enough snow to, to plow, to push the snow out of the way and clear driveways, sidewalks, small parking lots and so on, then you can utilize this attachment for your Toro Multiforce. There's a couple of different sizes, a couple of different add-ons and variations of the snow plow. Uh, they just had one, you know, starting out uh, back in 2016 or shortly after, but now over the years, They've uh, come out with a couple different versions or a, a few different versions and varieties of it. As you know, time goes on, they keep coming out with more attachments in general, uh, evolving the attachments they have, tweaking things here and there. So again, for, for all of the visuals and all the specifics and all of the different ones that they offer, because there's multiple different types of snow plows that they offer for the Toro Multiforce, as always, go ahead in the episode description, click the link for Toro.com that'll take you there so you can check out them, uh, check out all the facts and then get the visuals for yourself. But it's basically just a big plow. It's a, a, AKA a blade, um, a snow blade that just goes, attaches to the front of your mower. You have your deck off. They also have upgraded tires that you can swap out that have thicker, uh, heavy duty uh, traction for the slippery snow and ice and things like that. So you can help you push the snow better than versus the, your turf tires just for, you know, for grass and um, being more gentle on, on the turf and giving you traction for that. This is a more aggressive tread uh, for the snow. So you can swap those uh, t wheels and t tires out um, or swap the tires out. Uh, I'm sorry. It's a whole, it's a whole kit wheel and tire. And, and you can also get a weight kit, which is highly recommended to put in the wheel, uh, which, which gives you more weight 
down back behind there where the wheels are so that it can help you push the snow, right? So if you're pushing the snow, it's going to be adding some force to the mower. This way you're not kind of slipping and sliding. So that helps reduce all of that. So you can just get your mower and you can get all the smaller areas and you can push all that. You can still use a pickup truck or any other bigger pieces of equipment to push larger areas. But for the smaller, tighter areas, you can use the mower uh, with the plow on it for that. So that's that's that was one of the first attachments that they came out with, and I know it's been heavily utilized throughout the community and the industry. Like I said, I've seen it plenty and played around with it a little bit, just haven't really pushed snow. Uh, around here in central Virginia, we don't get a whole lot of snow, um, so it's not enough for me to even invest in something like that. Um, so, But I have seen a lot of guys use it, and it, and it works great. How much time did you waste in 2022 looking up addresses to qualify a prospect? Probably a lot more than you realize. Losing time is losing money. Well, we have a solution for you. It's called My Service Area. My Service Area quickly pre-qualifies prospects based on their address and the specific profitable service area that you have created. Don't take our word for it. Here's what Charles from Stepping Stone Landscaping says about using My Service Area. My Service Area has quickly become an essential tool. The setup was easy, amazing customer service, and most importantly, it saves me money. My Service Area is a no-brainer solution to a very common time-wasting problem of looking up addresses. I highly recommend adding My Service Area to your website before the next spring rush. You know, Naylor talks about creating dense routes, and My Service Area is certainly a tool that can help you fine-tune your routes. Well, thank you, Charles. Now really is the best time to get started so that you will be in a great position to conquer 2023. Visit myserviceareacom slash LCR for a very special offer that will only be available for a limited time. The link will be in the description. myserviceareacom slash LCR. Well, what are some of your goals with your equipment setup? Do you have any, any big purchases or small purchases coming up that you're trying to budget and plan for? I don't think so. I... A, a truck soon. We we used to um, we used to have a lot more debt, and one of our goals is to have sustainable, slower growth. Um, so it's you know it's kind of it's not as exciting <laughs> um, as getting all the equipment and um, having it, but uh, just trying to pay some things down before we commit to more and that's where like the you know running the excavator right now you know if we're paying the same but we don't have the maintenance cost there's always a trade-off and if we need a, a larger machine like a uh e50, e50 yes yeah. uh thanks and uh or a smaller one to fit in a tighter area then we can just get that we don't have to actually you know like we thought what if we have an e35 but we need an e50 now we're paying for t- two machines. Yeah. Um, while one sits there, so. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's it's definitely something to to figure out and and plan for because that's that's really smart. Like you were saying, you don't want to you want to use everything you have. You don't want things just sitting around. You know, it's like for me, it's like. I could probably use a dump trailer or a dump truck, but it's like, I mean, am I going to, what's the point of doing that? And then it's just not being utilized as much. Like those are expensive things to just have sitting in a parking spot that you're paying for or whatever, potentially, you know? So yeah, thinking that stuff through and that's probably why a lot of folks rent too, but that's a whole nother animal in and of itself, right? You don't know what you're going to yeah. get half the times and trying to coordinate all that, you know, like you, 
everyone's fighting for similar equipment. So logistically that becomes a problem. Then, you know, you get it all planned out and then something happens, you know, material doesn't yeah. come in time or the weather all of a sudden takes a turn for the worse. And now you're like, great, you know, now you yeah. have to reschedule everything. So it's definitely easier, right. To have your own stuff, but it's definitely, uh, uh, you have to plan that all out, especially financially. Um, and then maintain it and all that stuff. What about, um, I know you kind of touched about this a little bit. What, what are your goals for your business as far as services and size? You said you want to get a couple more guys on board. Uh, what, what else from a company standpoint? Offer right now we do primarily, uh, as we said, we're retaining walls and, and we'll do patios. Uh, they're mostly like bare bones. We don't, we don't offer a whole lot in the, we don't, we never upsell features. Never, yeah. yeah. So we, we need to do a better job of just letting clients know, prospects know that these are options and here's the price. And even if they didn't ask for it, uh, without being pushy or anything. Uh, but we want to get a little bit more into the outdoor living aspect of, of the, the hardscape field, um, and try and do as much in-house as we can, but we also don't want to, we, we one thing we do is if, if we don't feel comfortable doing something, we will pass, we'll find someone else. We'll, you know, we, we won't get in over our heads. We've, you know, done that in the past a long time ago and it's just, it's not worth it. So we, we kind of know what we're capable of. And when, when we do stretch ourselves, it's not, it, we're not putting ourselves in a position to, to really have a catastrophic loss of our business or anything like that. Right. Makes sense. Sounds good. What uh, what tips do you have for anyone that's um, into or wants to get into what you guys do with uh, hardscaping and, and retaining walls? And we kind of talked a little bit about that. But what, what tips do you have for anyone listening in? It, most uh, guys that get into this business aren't uh, in accounting. They aren't business minded necessarily. And they want to do the physical work. And knowing your numbers and knowing all the costs you need to account for is huge. You could, you know, like um, when it comes to hardscapes and I've heard this about snow plowing too. Like people think, okay, if it's snowing or you're doing a hardscape or something, um, there's so much money to be made in it. The it's every piece of the green industry has its own margins and costs and percentages, you know, there's, there's less material and maintenance, um, a lot more labor. And when it comes to hardscapes, you could have really expensive materials. And if you don't watch, um, think you're making a lot of money just because the dollar amount is high for the project. Um, and look at the end and say, I don't have any money left, or maybe you're in, in the hole. Right. Um, so knowing, knowing your numbers is, is really big. That's, that is really big. We, as you probably know, we talk about that a ton, um, on social media in general, like, you know, YouTube and Instagram and podcasts and John Pajak is all about knowing your numbers and budgets and everything budgets, break evens and breakdowns, something like that, or bottom lines. There you go. Budgets, break evens and bottom lines, something like that. So that is definitely important. Did you, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Uh, yeah, it just so many in this field were the average size, I think, is like four or five people or something, and and so it's we don't have a, a whole bunch of there's not a large uh, whole bunch of companies that are very large. That's that's kind of the minority. So it's it is the owner operator who's usually out there every day, 
And the one thing that happens that I see so often is the the guy, the owner's out there and jumping on a shovel and, and doing all the work. And that's fantastic and driving a truck and running loads. And, but they're not paying themselves what they would be paying somebody else to do that work. And they're considering that profit. They're calling it profit, but it's not really profit because they didn't actually start. They didn't pay them what they would have paid somebody else. And I think that's huge. You have to start paying yourself what you would pay somebody else. And that we started doing that shockingly not that long ago, only, you know, maybe five, six years ago. And that was, that was tough to take, uh, to see that other guys were making more than me. And at first, and yeah. so what that does is it, it helps you realize your pricing's not in line. You have to either get more efficient, you have to up your pricing, which probably do both. I was going to say probably a combination of both. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's smart. I'm glad you guys have been learning, learning that along the way for sure. That's like the first mistake that no one like pays themselves, you know, like, I mean, they think they are, but they're really not technically, you know, like, Oh, well, this is all my money anyway. Right. Like, no, not, not really. Like, what what I think is like everyone starting out should just have like a part-time person roll with them just one day in the truck and you have to pay their payroll. And then you realize, wait, hold on a second. This, <laughs> then you realize a lot of things driving all over town mm-hmm. and you're paying somebody for that is not cool. You know, route density becomes a thing and, and just your pricing, you know, and, and, and just so many things, you know, just so many efficiencies that I think come with that. So, cause when you're by yourself all the time, you just kind of take a lot for granted. I feel like, yeah. and you're just all lackadaisical about things. Oh, I'm going to stop and get to McDonald's. I'm going to do this and that. And you're yeah. just living the dream. Right. And you know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, really, are you like, you could be, you, you could actually be living the dream if you get your stuff together, you know? So mm-hmm. most people have to learn the hard way unless they stumble upon some of this content that hopefully might help people kind of shorten the learning curve. So yeah, thank you guys for being on the episode. But before we go, <laughs> let's bust out the pod decks. <laughs> All right. If you're comfortable with that. We'll try yeah, it. Let's do it. <laughs> let's give it a shot, right? All right. You don't have to answer them. We can we can you can pull another one if it's if you think oh, this, something wacky. This is the easiest one. Am I supposed to answer it myself? Yeah, you, you read it and answer it. Oh, yeah. this is so so easy. Would you rather have unlimited sushi for life or unlimited tacos for life? Nice. I would not eat sushi for anything. So <laughs> I I would take tacos every day of the week. So he won't even eat so cooked, it, baked, any kind of fish. Yeah. So Oh well, be, so sushi would definitely not be a thing. Yeah. yeah. Sushi's an acquired taste, but what's the deal with seafood? You're just not a fan? Are you allergic to it? Or? It's just, yeah, not a fan. Not I don't know. Fan. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's a different taste for everybody, right? I'm not, I guess I'm not a huge fan of seafood either, but I, do, I, I eat seafood and I'm not a huge fan of sea, uh, sushi either, but I do eat sushi from time to time. It's my family loves them some sushi and I'm like, ah, oh. <laughs> get looking on the menu and get like some tempura shrimp or something. Yeah. Trying to like fill myself up with other things. So I'm not just eating a whole bunch of sushi. I'm just like, oh man. What what what's yours? Uh, what's well? Something? Wait, time out. Oh. Well, how do you feel about sushi? <laughs> I don't know if I've ever had it. Maybe one time in high school, I went on a field trip with Japanese club. I was not a Japanese student, like, a, or didn't take Japanese, but right. like they didn't have membership. So my friends like, hey, come join Japanese club. There you go. Um, and I think I tried it once, and I don't know. It, some of it was okay, and there were some things. Maybe I ate something I wasn't supposed to that it was wrapped in. I don't know, but yeah. it was a little weird. But yeah, that always that that can happen for sure. What about but seafood in general? Do you like? I do. Okay. Yeah. Crab, well, I guess I guess that's a start, lobster, right? Shrimp. <laughs> yeah, I've been eating shrimp like every day this past week. So and he's nice. not happy about 
He's got to find something else. Like, Can I just get a steak? You know? <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Sorry. I just figured I would ask your opinion on that. Sure. Um, what's something that you've never been able to do well? I can't snap with my left finger, my left hand. I don't know. <laughs> Otherwise, you're just a master. And there's probably a, there's else, a right? lot of things, but yeah. that's the most immediate yeah. I can think of. <laughs> that's so a good one. I can't. No left snapping. No yet. left snapping. So like it's just better for others. But I yeah. can do left, but it's not as good as right. So there's a lot of things like that I can do. I can do a lot of interesting things on both sides. You know, like I raising my eye, both of my eyebrows and things like that. Like, and some people can only do one or none and. Uh, that's interesting it's a totally different interesting topic than for other people but um yeah cool well thank you guys for being on this episode we've got lots of people i guess congregating and wandering around so i want to uh see what else we can get into and, and let you guys you know mingle and, and network and take a full advantage of this opportunity hopefully and um thank you to kohler again for uh sponsoring the podcast summit and thank you to the Toro Company for sponsoring the LCR Media Podcast. And until the next episode, this is the Lawn Care Rookie signing off. This has been an LCR Media and Mr. Producer production. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.